you're going to drive yourself crazy if you try to live up to like a level of perfection that doesn't exist, you know? So it's like, yeah, I, I look a mess. I have bags under my eyes. I have puke on my shirt and I don't care. <laughs> I think we all have those, those moments where you're like, okay, I can either crawl up in a ball and cry about this situation, or I can be like, I can take charge and figure out how to like superhuman power my way through it. Um, and honestly, I had, I responded in both ways very often. <laughs> Sometimes I was crying in a ball. Sometimes I was like, I got this. Woo. And there's poop all over the car seat and I'm walking in for a swim meet and it's 110 degrees outside in Arizona, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Amanda Beard, four-time Olympian and co-founder of Beard Swim Co. A few weeks ago, I stood on the edge of the pool and slowly inched my way into the water. It was colder than I expected, but I kept smiling anyway because Brooks was watching my every move. It was his first time in the pool since he was about four months old, so I had no idea what to expect. Despite holding on to me for dear life, literally, he did really well until I dunked him. He came up sputtering and coughing and burst into tears. So naturally, I second-guessed my decision and panicked, thinking that I had just made him hate the water. And every time I bring him to the pool, I now agonize over whether I should dunk him again or not. Luckily, Amanda's advice put that into perspective. She thinks it's important for kids to get their head wet every time you go to the pool. If you don't, you can create an even bigger fear of going under. Amanda's entire life has revolved around the water. When the four-time Olympic swimmer finished her competitive swimming career, she just couldn't stay away. This mom of two co-founded a Learn to Swim school in Washington State to pass on her love of swimming and promote water safety. Amanda also serves on the board of Hope Floats as an advocate for water safety and drowning prevention. Thank you so much for joining me on Work Like a Mother. It's awesome to be here with you. <laughs> I know there's a pretty natural connection for you, but can you share a bit about how your passion has turned into your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, you all go through stages through your life where you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, I was a swimmer. Oh my goodness. I mean, I started swimming when I, on a swim team when I was four. I didn't retire from that until I was, you know, in my early thirties. So it was pretty much my whole entire life in existence. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was looking to kind of figure out what was my next step in life, um, the one thing that I knew that I loved was swimming. And so, but I wanted to figure out how I could turn that into something that I felt passionate about. And I felt like it was a rewarding um, kind of work experience for mm -hmm. me. And that's something that I could really kind of put my head down and just push forward and opening a swim school and teaching little kids how to swim and hopefully creating more water smart kiddos out in um, our community is, 
it seemed just like a perfect fit. You know, um, I have my own kids and water safety was huge, um, for us. So, um, I wanted to be able to offer that to all of the kids in our community as well. I have lots of questions about water safety, about helping kids, you know, to really have a a love of the water, not just for myself, but for all of our listeners as well. Before we dive into that, one thing that really struck me is as an Olympic athlete, your body is such an integral part really of your ability to compete. So when you were thinking about having kids, starting a family, you had this additional like level of thought that really needed to go into that decision-making process. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. Well, a lot of planning. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it was one of those things where, you know, I met my husband and I was ready to start a family. I was still training and competing Um, but I also knew that having and starting a family was a a priority for myself and for what I wanted in my future. Um, so I didn't really want to just keep waiting and waiting, waiting, because who knows when I would have retired from swimming. (laughs) I mean, um, so I, we made the decision that we would start to try to have a family. Um, and then after my son was born, I started training again, um, full time when he was about five weeks, which was not the easiest thing in the world because he was a horrible sleeper and um trying to schedule like nursing around training was just it was chaotic but i i loved it because it made me so like strong as a mom and i felt really connected um to my husband and to my son um but yeah looking back at it i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> all those sleepless nights and then waking up for 5am practice and then going back for practice and training. So yeah, it was just, but really focusing on um, making sure that I wasn't um, being half a mom and half an athlete. I wanted to make sure that I was uh, trying to be fully present where I was when I was at the pool and fully present when I was at home with my kiddos. I feel like you you just said, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. And I'm thinking that sounds like the understatement of the century, <laughs> like coming back when you're still healing, right? Like you came back after five weeks and started training. And then how did you juggle the demands of training, the demands of competing? Like what did those logistics look like? Uh, Ever changing. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, I'm, I'm really like, um, I like things to be super organized, but when you have a schedule like that, it's impossible to be super organized. My husband's a little more go with the flow. So that helps with that whole situation. Um, and we are really lucky and blessed that he could stay home and work from home and be with um, my son during a, a lot of that time. Really, it's creating a good support system around you. My coaches were really understanding. I mean, they knew that um, if I was missing a practice, it wasn't because I was being lazy and sitting on the couch at home. Mm-hmm. I had really like important reasons for for missing my practices. Um, but yeah, I mean, we took him everywhere. We, you know, he went to China with us for swimming, in Australia, and all over the U.S. So. 
Um, it was probably, I mean, it was, it was fun. It was super fun, but I mean, just kind of, um, I had to really get out of my comfort zone as far as, um, my organizational skills and having that set schedule and just being a little bit like, okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Right. That, that whole idea of control just goes out the window. I, I feel like I'm reminded of that on a daily basis. My kids are three and a half and 15 months. And it's like the minute where I think, great, we're on schedule. We're heading out the door. Everything's packed. You know, somebody has a, the baby has a diaper blowout and there's, you know, literally shit hitting the fan everywhere. Like it's, it's chaos. And you just think I could be stressed about this and let this ruin my day. Or like I can learn to roll with the punches. And that, that was a big learning for me to the roll with the punches part. Right. It's not easy to do, but you, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you try to live up to like a level of perfection that doesn't exist, you know? So it's like, yeah, I, I look a mess. I have bags under my eyes. I have puke on my shirt and I don't care. (laughs) I love that. I remember, (laughs) I remember going to like an early morning meeting. Um, and I, gosh, I think, um, my son had like a stomach bug or something. And so I was in the Uber on the way and I'm like looking at my hair and I was like, Oh God, there is puke in my hair on the way to this meeting. And I'm like using, you know, wipes and like sanitizer to try and, and clean it out and just thinking, okay, I hope I don't, I hope I don't smell when I get to this meeting. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have those, those moments where you're like, okay, I can either crawl up in a ball and cry about this situation, or I can be like, I can take charge and figure out how to like superhuman power my way through it. Um, and honestly, I had, I responded in both ways very often. <laughs> sometimes I was crying in a ball. Sometimes I was like, I got this. Woo. And there's poop all over the car seat and I'm walking in for a swim meet and it's 110 degrees outside in Arizona, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> well, I want to touch on this. I could feel the optimism coming through, through the screed right now. But one thing that um, I wanted to ask you was, you know, as an athlete, I imagine that there are tremendous highs and hard lows. Like, where do you get your strength from what helps power you through those, those tough moments to keep on going? Well, I think when you're younger, when you're a younger athlete, that's a really hard concept to understand kind of how to push through those really low moments. Um, cause you're, you fall flat on your face constantly, you know, like, um, and athletes start to learn how to do that at a really young age. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not in sports, sometimes, it's later in life that you start learning those, those concepts of (laughs) failing and trying to pick yourself back up. Um, so uh, honestly, uh, for me, it was just like, I had to fail a lot to understand how I was supposed to deal and cope with that. Um, my dad was really great. My dad was, um, athletic and played sports his whole life. And he, he kind of would always talk to me about like, it's not the easy the easy days are not the ones that make you a great athlete. It's the hard days, you know, it's when you fall flat on your face and how you deal with that and how you handle it 
how you pick yourself back up and how you go back to that pool and you dive back in, um, knowing that um, it might be a really rough day or it's not going to be the outcome that you want. Um, it's those days that determine what kind of athlete you're going to become, right? It's um, My son's a baseball player and I have these conversations with him all the time about, you know, it's really fun to win. It's really fun to win, win a baseball game. Woo, yay. But when you walk off the field from a win, there's not a lot of things that you've learned from that experience. It's when you've had a really hard loss and you've had those challenges and you've had all of those errors and things that have happened where you can come off the field and really reflect on how I can get better and how I can improve on this and how I can persevere. Um, so you get way more more out not that we want to lose you know or fall on our face but you're you can't be so um so heartbroken by it as you think back on your career what have been some of those critical like learning moments or is there a moment that really stands out to you that was a tough loss and you but you also learned just so much yeah i mean um i went to my first olympics when i was 14 um and I won some medals at that Olympics and same thing, right? Like, Ooh, yay. This is so fun. This is so cool. Go home. I went through puberty right after that. And my body completely changed. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it affected how I swam in the water as well. And I went from being on the top of the podium to not even close to the podium, not even in the same area as where the podium will be. Um, and that was really difficult, you know, especially being a teenager and having those kind of experiences and moments where I'm like, what am I, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? So I'm going to be completely honest. It was about seven years of, from when I was about six, uh, sorry, like 14 to about 21 of just rough, <laughs> super, super rough. Um, but man, I'm glad that I stuck with it. I would have been really bummed looking back at that. And if I walked away or I quit. As you think about now as a mom, how are you doing things differently with your kids? Cause you've been really open about those pressures, those expectations that you felt as a child athlete. What are you doing differently with your kids? Yeah. Well, both of my kids are, are in sports. So, um, Honestly, I'm still kind of learning along the way. I'm a mom, so it's ever changing and um, trying to figure it out. Um, but I'm, I also, I don't talk a lot about my, you know, my swimming that much to my kids. I talk about more of like um, the mental side of things, just how I kind of mentally handled situations in my life. Um, uh, and I, I ask them a lot of questions about, you know, how they're feeling about this or, or that, or, um, and see how they're processing things and see how they need to, um, understand those different situations. My son, um, my son's one of those kiddos where you have to give him his space for a couple minutes mm -hmm. to like, kind of let him have his like emotions. And then he wants to come to you and kind of dissect everything and talk it through. Um, I feel like you kind of have to figure out what works best for your kids or different athletes and, and then kind of go that direction. And he wants, he needs to like sit and like analyze every single play on the baseball field where when I was, I come home from the pool, I don't want to talk about swimming. <laughs> I was tired. I just want to eat. So trying to figure out what works best. I also don't 
want it to be something where, um, we only talk about baseball Mm. or, or whatever sport they're playing, because I don't want my kids to feel like their only existence in life is their sport. You know, my husband and I make sure we have a lot of additional hobbies and things. And so that it's not just, okay, this is what you do. And this is all that you are right. You need to have other things that you have passions for and loves for. So let's say this ends up going away someday. You don't want to feel completely empty um, because you don't have that in your life anymore. You're going to feel like, Hey, I love all of these 10 other things that I, that I've been doing and focusing on as well. That's so great. Um, all right. So fast forward now to present day. Can you tell us a bit about Beard Swim Company? Yeah. So it's a, it's a swim school. It's all learn to swim. So, um, it's an indoor facility in Washington state. We have smaller pools and we keep them really nice and warm and toasty for all those little bodies going in it. And our goal is just to really have the kids fall in love with the pool and the water and become comfortable in it become, um, I always explain it as like, we're building a foundation, right? So you, I don't feel like, um, swimming is something that you can kind of rush through to learn. I feel like you need to make sure that you're really building a sturdy foundation and a love for it to be able to be able to make these confident little swimmers in the water. Um, so it's just that I'm not trying to make a bunch of swimmers, but I'm hoping to make more water smart kiddos. And if they happen to join swim teams, then that's cool too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I know a lot of parents are really concerned about water safety and there are so many different schools of thought on how to teach kids to swim. What's your approach? What's your perspective on that? Yeah. And I, to me, um, just get your kids into, into lessons, you know, and there's so many, and it's, every kid responds differently to swim lessons, right? So one, one approach may work for a family or a kiddo and not work for a different family. So, um, there's, there's so many different ways that you can approach it, but the most important thing is that you act, you just, you commit to it. Um, and you commit to it year round. It's not something that you should just look into in the spring leading up to summertime or just in the summertime. This is something that you should be consistently doing year round until those kids have really developed those skills in the pool. Um, because you do regress a lot. So I Mm. see a lot of kiddos that swim in the summertime and then they disappear fall, winter, spring, and they come back and they've lost all of their swim knowledge. So, um, it's something like, like a language almost that you want to keep up and it really sticks and it really gets programmed into their bodies. Um, and just start them young. Uh, the, the younger, the better, honestly, kids start develop, developing those fears and it becomes a, a much harder thing and, and, um, and frustrating for parents to see their kiddos kind of struggling and crying and nervous about swimming. So the younger that you can start them, the better. My, so I grew up, um, my mom was like a big advocate for swimming. It was super important to her. I, I don't even know when I started, but it was like survival swim where it's, you blow in the baby's face and you, they, you drop them in and they push off the bottom of the pool and come up. My grandfather tells this hilarious story about how he was about to like 
dive into the school. Like, I couldn't believe my mom was putting me through this. Um, what are your what are your thoughts about like dunking versus not dunking? Is, it, is there are there pros cons? Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons with everything you do, right? So, um, and like I said, oh, a certain technique may work really well for one family and not for another family. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit more. Uh, I mean, we are very big on your very first lesson, you're going underwater, right? Okay. The only way that you can learn how to swim is if you go underwater. And the more that we um, don't take you underwater, it's almost like we're telling you, yes, that's something to be scared of, right? Instead of saying, no, you got this, we can do this and and introducing them at first lesson and then progressing from there, getting having a couple more each time that they come in. Um but I also want the kids to have fun and love it because mm-hmm. I want them to want to come back. I want to make it a little bit easier on the parents. So the parents don't have to be yanking them out of the car to drag them to swim lessons. I want the kids running into swim lessons. Um, so it's a good balance of, you know, making sure that we're pushing the kids at a level that they're comfortable at mm-hmm. um, while they're still enjoying it. Yeah, I feel like uh, I, I'm curious to hear about COVID and how that had an impact on on you. With my oldest, we had him in swim lessons from the time he was four months. We found like the place closest to us that you could go. It was the youngest was four months that we could take him. And with my, I had a pandemic baby in April of last year. And it was really hard. Like we haven't been able to take him to an indoor pool. Um, and we were so stressed about how is he going to react? Is he going to be af- afraid of the water? So he's just started swim lessons and he's doing pretty well. He's adjusting to the dunking, I would say. Um, but it, it's definitely something that that has had an impact on our family in terms of something that's really important to us. What impact has it had on on the business for you having a swim school during COVID? Yeah, I mean, we ended up having to be closed for about five months last year. So that was a bummer um, because, you know, we didn't get to see all those faces coming through um, our doors and um, making our community safer. And then unfortunately, a side effect of that was across the nation there, uh, the drowning uh, unfortunately raised, um, mm. just because every, every swim school was having struggles, you know, having their doors open and be able to provide those lessons for all those kiddos. Um, thank goodness we're seeing everybody wanting to return everyone prior pri- putting it as a priority. Um, but it is hard because kiddos that were just starting to adjust mm-hmm. and then we had to shut down for COVID, you know, they come back, you know, five, six months later, we've lost all of everything that we've put, put in at the beginning of that. And we're starting all over and now they've, you know, they've forgotten everything or they've developed some fears over that time frame. And um, so it's definitely been hard, but I feel like we're really on a good pace and good track to, um, I think most, you know, swim schools are open. California deemed um, swim schools essential. So they got to open mm-hmm. a lot earlier. Um, so that, you know, they got, they realized the importance of, you know, these kids not missing out on, on water safety. You've been such a huge advocate for water safety. And I know you're really involved with Hope Floats as well. Can you share a little bit about your work there? 
Yeah. Well, I'm on the board with Hope Floats. I've been with them for about two years. Um, the best thing about it is they raise money and scholarships. So kiddos that can't afford to get swim lessons in their communities can apply for a scholarship and we can give them swim lessons to their local swim school. Um, so the whole idea behind it is we don't want someone to not be able to have access to a swim lesson because they can't afford it. Um, that is the worst reason um, that a kid misses out on, on a lesson like that. So we've, um, you know, we have a lot of swim schools involved that raise funds so that they can, you know, give back to their communities and get those kiddos back in the water. And, and it's fun. It's really cool. Like we've had a couple of um, great families through our own swim school that have um, been able to take some lessons through Hope Floats. And um, I think we have a couple hundred swim schools across the nation that are involved with this. So it's, it's a wonderful program. Wow. How amazing. Well, it's been such a joy chatting with you, hearing about your experience, how you make the juggle happen um, every day. If you think back in time, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? My goodness. Um, sleep a lot. Just kidding. <laughs> um, really prioritizing a lot of your own selfish me time. Um, because when you have kiddos, there's not a lot of me time <laughs> anymore. So um, I think I did a pretty good job of that, but um, definitely probably would have taken a little bit more time to uh, focus on myself pre-kids. <laughs> And not a day goes by that I don't think, what did I do with all that time? Like now I feel like if I have five minutes to myself, I'm like, oh, wow, it's quiet. I'm alone. This feels so luxurious. And then when I just had the responsibility of caring for me, what was I doing? I don't know. I It, it seems like a blur now. It's mind boggling, right? And you felt like you had a packed schedule and you're stressed and so much to do. And then you have kids and you realize what a packed schedule looks like. A hundred percent. You just hit the nail on the head. Yes, exactly. Um, well, <laughs> thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I had a blast and thank you so much. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.
during that 